From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And joining me by phone today from San Diego is Father Lieutenant Mark Bristol. Father Bristol, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you. It's a glad to be with you. And the topic of our conversation is COVID-19. Father Bristol, you are assigned to the USS Theodore Roosevelt, the aircraft carrier that was uh, famously uh, grounded, uh, for lack of a better word, in, uh, in Guam back in the spring as a result of an outbreak on board. And uh, so uh, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk with us about that and about your ministry to the men and women who serve our nation in uniform. Uh, let's go back to uh, the spring, back in March, March 2020. Uh, uh, tell me about how uh, how all that happened. How did you first learn that uh, members of the crew of the USS Theodore Roosevelt had come down with uh, COVID and, uh, and uh, how the, the virus began to spread among the crew? Uh, well, we... Taylor, uh, so I've been assigned to the U.S. Theodore Roosevelt since uh, 2019 of August, and um, uh, I was happy to be aboard the ship. Um, this is my first assignment. Um, I'm fresh out of chaplain school, and I'm um, excited to deploy for the first time aboard an aircraft carrier. Um, so we left for our deployment in the 17th of January, and uh, we spent a total of 125 days at sea and visited two foreign ports in Guam and Vietnam. Uh, shortly after our port visit in Vietnam, uh, we heard of a suspected uh, possible close contact with COVID-19, and uh, we placed uh, restrictions on, uh, on those individuals by isolating them from the crew. But uh, and throughout the course, uh, we learned later on that there was um, some individuals who reported um, showing some symptoms uh, to our medical department, and they were tested and found positive. Uh, immediately, we... Uh, emergency evacuated those sailors um, and then um, we pulled into port into Guam and um, from there we uh, proceeded to test other members of the crew um, and to isolate them um, from the other uh, sailors to prevent the spread of the virus. Um, so uh, tell me what was it like? That must have been a really uh, scary time. Yeah, it was definitely a uh, um, scary in the sense that uh, we had a first a sense of kind of as we were seeing COVID spread throughout the world, um, we said we're at the best place um, because we're in the middle of the ocean and um, there's no way that uh, the COVID uh, can get to us. A little did we know that it was already on board our ship. And this was back when, uh, you know, it was still a fairly new uh, phenomenon. People didn't know much about COVID-19 at the time, and we didn't know how fast it would spread, how deadly it would be. Uh, so there was a lot of uncertainty, I can imagine. Yes, certainly, certainly. I think the, the most surprising thing um, that we experienced was the reality of an asymptomatic um, uh, person. Um, out of the, all the positive cases that we had, 76% of the sailors showed no symptoms and no signs of the virus. And um, 
So there were many people who felt perfectly fine, perfectly healthy, um, but they um, had the COVID-19 virus. Um, so that created definitely some challenges as far as identifying who is spreading the virus and to isolate them from those who were healthy. So how soon after you arrived at Guam did the uh, almost entire crew begin disembarking? Uh, immediately. Uh, that, that plan started uh, off immediately. And uh, it was short, immediately after we uh, were able to test everyone on board and uh, we dispersed. The good news is, is that out of my entire department, and I have a department of sailors and including uh, four chaplains, None of us uh, contracted the virus. Uh, we were tested multiple times, and um, we were in contact with uh, COVID patients, and um, still we did not contract the virus. Um, many people look at us in amazement of how, how did that happen. Um, I definitely say it's through the prayers and the um, the blessings from God that we were spared. Now, you say you are one of four chaplains assigned to the USS Theodore Roosevelt. You're the only Catholic priest on board, right? Yes, that is true. I am the only Catholic priest on that ship. So how did this outbreak affect your ability to minister to the sailors? Were you able to continue with mass, confessions, administering the sacraments? We definitely had to make some adjustments. Um, we definitely um, made some adjustments as far as celebrating Mass outdoors as opposed to indoors um, to mitigate the spread. Um, so we had an outdoor Mass. Um, face-to-face counseling um, was done with uh, face coverings and, and at a social distance. And uh, we did a lot of hand washing and sanitizing and um, wiping down um, areas such as common use areas such as computers and doorknobs and uh, and uh, desk uh, so that this virus would not spread um, unintentionally. How long were you stuck in Guam? So uh, the, we were in Guam from, from uh, the beginning of the middle of March all the way until June 1st. Wow. Uh, was that two and a half months? Two and a half months. Um, okay, and uh, so what was your advice, what was your counsel to the uh, sailors on board about how to deal with this? Definitely to remain hopeful and strong. Um, immediately when the virus came about, I started the novena with the Catholic community, um, a novena to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, and it was a prayer that um, the Archbishop of uh, Los Angeles, uh, Archbishop Gomez, had uh, drafted. And uh, it was a source of consolation um, for many of the sailors, including uh, the senior leadership. And uh, the prayer called us in this time of trial and testing to teach all of us to love one another, to be patient and kind, and help us to bring the peace of Jesus to our land and to our hearts. And and that was the path that many of us followed, was in the midst that this was a trial, this was a test for us of how strong we were, how resilient we were, and that in those moments that we should be patient and kind with one another. And how was that message received? Received very well. Um, what we did every single night, um, even while we were in port in San Diego, is what we held was an evening prayer. And uh, this evening prayer was the, the last announcement that happened over the loudspeaker system. 
every evening. And uh, the chaplain will give that prayer and, and call everyone to peace, uh, call everyone to place their hope and their trust in God, despite the many uncertainties that we're facing. And uh, we expanded that because many of our sailors were isolated in hotel rooms and in different areas on the base in Guam, that we expanded that uh, prayer to be included on a private Facebook page that we called TR Alone Together. And we shared that prayer on there, and so the sailors were able to be united um, with that prayer and be reminded um, that this is not just in their hands, but we're all in God's hands, that he will take care of us. And evening prayer, of course, is a long-standing tradition in the U.S. Navy, correct? Yes, it is. At ship, it's on it's ship. Back. On ships at sea, generally, what time of evening does uh, evening prayer take place? Held, it takes place at twenty-one fifty-five, 9.55. Got it. Okay. Five minutes before the 10. We hear much about the physical symptoms of COVID, but what about the spiritual, Father Bristol? Yes, the, the spiritual, um, what I witnessed was, for many of the sailors, as I mentioned, that most of our sailors are between the ages of 18 and 25. So they're young and healthy, and uh, a majority of them were asymptomatic. So the majority of the symptoms they experienced was boredom, um, boredom with their isolation. Uh, they were looking for a sense of routine, um, uh, something to keep them distracted. Um, and so how to address that is to offer the sailors opportunities for growth. Many of the sailors requested Bibles or uh, a book or some source of uh, spiritual uh, development so that they can uh, use their time to to grow in uh, in different ways. Um, Many of our sailors uh, engage in uh, workout routines um, using YouTube videos um, so that they can uh, lose weight or get as fit. But placing goals um, to kind of help with that boredom that you experience being isolated um, due to whether you're in close contact of COVID or you're COVID positive, um, that helped those sailors remain sane. And of all the risks associated with COVID, the physical risks in particular, boredom doesn't sound like such a big deal. But when you consider the fact that uh, it's not for nothing that it's said boredom is the devil's playground, right, Father Bristol? Yes, it is. And so did you find the uh, sailors, uh, uh, both Catholic and Protestant, uh, uh, responsive to your efforts to address boredom? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Um, one of the things I started uh, online uh, was uh, a rosary. And I would have sailors join me uh, for a rosary daily at 1500 each day. And, and that gave them something to kind of look forward to, knowing that, at this time, I knew I can count on that I had to stop anything I was doing um, and, and participate in that rosary. And um, it helped the days go by quicker, um, having a sense of routine and a sense of purpose. I'm talking to Father Mark Bristol, who is the only a Catholic uh, Navy chaplain assigned to the USS Theodore Roosevelt, the aircraft carrier that was sidelined back in the spring due to the outbreak of COVID-19 on board. Father Bristol, I believe this is your first at-sea assignment as a Navy chaplain, even though you had a long career previously in the Navy. Uh, how well did your previous service in the Navy prepare you to deal with the pandemic on board? 
Yes, you're correct. Uh, this is my first at-sea assignment as a chaplain. Um, I was on a, a smaller ship, uh, LCC, uh, the USS Mount Whitney, when I was an enlisted sailor, and uh, definitely never experienced anything like that. Um, but one of the things that did prepare me um, was while I was in the parish uh, back in New York at St. Anastasia Parish in Queens, um, I participated in a course called CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education. And I worked in the hospital. Um, I uh, tended to the, um, issues in the emergency room as well as in the mental health hospital. And uh, that gave me the, the foresight to know where to be at the right place at the right time um, and to be able to protect yourself, um, donning the proper PPE gear. Um, many times we would go into patients' rooms who had contagious diseases and we had to don a mask and wear a face shield and wear proper gloves in order to minister to that uh, patient. Um, so I learned skills such as using cotton balls to administer the anointing of the sick um, so that I wouldn't be spreading the virus through um, simple administration of the sacraments. I was able to apply those same principles um, while I was ministering to the many sailors on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt. And uh, how long has the Roosevelt been back in San Diego now? returned uh, to San Diego on July 9th. I see. And what is the mood and morale aboard ship now? I would say the mood and morale is that um, it's a sense of resiliency and uh, strength. We look back at uh, my past experiences uh, many times with laughter um, and also uh, we talk about the bad experiences and the good experiences. Um, but we know that we came off PR strong, and that was the kind of uh, theme that we uh, carried on throughout the, um, the whole COVID ordeal, is that we're PR strong, and that our strength is in our teamwork and our ability to work together and ability to prevail against adversity. And we went through a lot. Um, we lost one sailor. Um, his name is Chief Backer. We lost him to COVID, and we honored him well on our way back. We had a memorial service at sea, um, which the chaplains led, and that gave us a time to mourn, and also it gave us a time to carry on the watch, um, to carry on the work that he started, um, and to continue to fight hard and to serve our Navy with honor and courage and commitment. And we're recording this podcast on uh, November 19th, 2020, and uh, the U.S. military has just reported a record high number of coronavirus cases with uh, 1,314 new cases. Uh, there are currently, as of this date, November 19th, 2020, about 25,000 active COVID-19 cases in the ranks, and some 44,000-plus service members have recovered from the virus. And you, Father Bristol, were right on the cutting edge of this, uh, this pandemic. Uh, at the time, it must have seemed to you like somehow the Roosevelt had been singled out. I agree. I agree. You had to be asking yourself, why me, Lord? <laughs> But uh, the Lord equips us at the right time, at the right place, and um, and I look back with gratitude um, at the whole experience that I was there, um, that I was there in order to provide um, the sacraments. I was there in order to provide hope. Um, we had a 
after uh, we came back on the ship and everyone recovered, um, I was looking forward to Easter. So uh, we were able to celebrate two baptisms, um, two men that entered into the church, um, two people entered through the RCIA program, and I conducted four confirmations. Um, again, a, another sign of the resiliency um, of our crew um, that even in those trying times, we found time for spiritual growth. All this during your time at Guam? That is correct, sir. Wow. Uh, so two brought into the faith, and uh, uh, what other sacraments did you say? Uh, four confirmations and two, and two um, baptisms. Tell us about how you spent the days on Guam. It, uh, having never been there myself, I can only imagine it must be a beautiful island, although uh, rather small and limited in uh, you know what you can do. So uh, I spent 21 days in isolation inside of a hotel room. Um, and while I was there, um, I conducted weekly mass um, live stream over Facebook for the crew. Um, and also posting the evening prayers um, every evening. But I also conducted Mass by myself alone in my room and connected with friends and family. Um, the one benefit of being in port as opposed to being out to sea is that um, you have regular access to your cell phone. Uh, so it was always great to be able to FaceTime with friends and family and be able to see their faces. Um, I even participated in a family Zoom call um, where we played games together. So there, there are different opportunities for us to reconnect with our loved ones and, uh, and feel renewed and strengthened, um, even though that we were isolated and thousands of miles away from our loved ones. You say you'd made a port of call to uh, Vietnam uh, prior to the outbreak. Any suggestion that... Uh, that's where uh, one of the sailors or more than one of the sailors contracted the virus? Yes, that's a speculation. Um, um, we're, we still are waiting on medical reports to find exactly how the virus got on board, but um, it's definitely a possibility. Um, I was there, President of Vietnam, and it was an excellent work visit for me. Um, I got to be in the land where servant of God, Father Vincent Capadano, walked, and uh, I had the opportunity to um, celebrate Mass at the Nang Cathedral. Um, I was a main celebrant, and I was able to preach um, to the people there about Father Vincent Capadano and his ministry as a chaplain, and the, the work that I continue on. And um, we conducted uh, numerous of community relations events, um, a total of nine of them, um, interacting with um, students in uh, universities, um, interacting with um, different um, religious organizations and community organizations um, that support the Vietnam community. The Vietnam has a large Catholic population, correct? It's, it's very small um, in comparison to the largest uh, population, religious population is Buddhist. Um, so 3% of the population is Roman Catholic. And um, I was able to engage in a dialogue with the Archbishop um, of Da Nang about religious freedom. And uh, we discussed on the path of religious freedom that Vietnam has experienced since the early days until now. There are many limitations uh, among Catholics in Vietnam. Um, currently, they're not able to purchase property. Um, so the parish where I celebrated Mass, the cathedral, um, 
they have close to 3,000 people uh, attending Mass there um, daily. And many times they have to have them outside in the parking lot um, with loudspeakers in order to attend Mass. But they don't have the ability to build a new parish in order to minister to the many Catholics that are there. Did you say 3,000 daily? 3,000. 3,000 to 10 Mass daily in Da Nang. In Da Nang, Vietnam. Wow. Uh, And did you celebrate Mass in English? I celebrated Mass in English. Um, There is an English Mass there for the, um, mainly made of uh, expatriates um, from Australia, England, um, and Philippines. And uh, they're being ministered by the Augustinian community um, who minister to the English speaking. I was uh, being celebrated for the English Mass there at the cathedral. And you mentioned Father Cappadano for the benefit of our listener who may not know who Father Cappadano is. He was a uh, a Navy chaplain uh, who was killed in action in Vietnam back in 1967, uh, posthumously received the Medal of Honor, the nation's highest military uh, decoration. Uh, and is now being considered for sainthood by the Congregation for the Causes of Saints at the Vatican. Uh, he died coming to the aid of Marines uh, under ambush. Uh, and I'm sure that the uh, at least some of the Vietnamese who attend Mass daily, it's, I'm still trying to get my mind around 3,000 attending daily Mass, uh, have heard of Father Cappadano. Is that correct? Yes, many of them have heard of Father Capodanno. It was interesting. Uh, I presented um, the Vicar General uh, a holy card um, that the AMS has produced to Father Capodanno. It had his picture on it and said, we have that picture. And he went into our, his office and, and presented me a photo of a Father Capodanno uh, with his name written in Vietnamese. Uh, so they know well of him. And um, uh, there's a mass that's celebrated in his honor. Um, on his anniversary, which is September 4th, 1967, um, there at the cathedral. Um, so they keep his honor uh, well in memory. And um, I think that uh, my presence there uh, meant a lot uh, to the Vietnamese community for them to connect with another Catholic chaplain uh, following in that tradition. We're talking to Father Mark Bristol, the uh, only Catholic uh, Navy chaplain assigned to the uh, USS Theodore Roosevelt, which was sidelined earlier this year at Guam due to a COVID outbreak on board. Uh, what was the final toll, Father Bristol? How, how many came down with COVID on board the USS Roosevelt? Um, the, the total number was 1,271. And that's out of, a, what, almost 5,000? Uh, yes, out of 5,000 sailors, 1,271 sailors. So we're talking a little over 20%. Uh, it's amazing to me the number was that low in uh, on you know in close quarters where there's a lot of interaction uh, between uh, sailors. Um, but be that as it may, uh, fortunately only, and it's sad that one sailor died, but it's uh, a blessing that not more uh, died from the... Uh, from the infection. So <clears throat> what um, what would be your advice to uh, uh, chaplains on other ships where that might experience, we're experiencing a surge, like I said earlier, with this, we're recording this in the fall, November of 2020, and the uh, Centers for Disease Control is uh, predicting a, uh, another surge going into the winter. 
what is your advice to chaplains on other ships in the Navy that might have to deal with this uh, same sort of thing going forward? Um, to make your to stay safe, but make yourself available. Um, um, the people need to see um, their priests, need to see their chaplains. Um, they need to see that they're engaged um, because uh, at, at, at moments like that, um, the fear, um, the anxiety, um, it's really the presence of God that brings that peace. And, uh, and the chaplain, his main role is to bring forth that presence of God um, to our sailors and our Marines and, and, and soldiers. And, uh, you know, going back to our uh, talk about Vietnam, there's no way to say for sure that that's where it was picked up, but that seems the likely place, right? Correct, sir. How long were you uh, ported there, docked in uh, Vietnam? Uh, we arrived in Vietnam on March 5th and uh, departed on the 7th. So we were there for roughly only three days. Oh, that's not long. But I'm sure uh, you had some shore leave, and uh, you know the, the sailors got out and about and uh, uh, interacted with some of the locals there, and that could be how it uh, was spread. Um, did you get the sense that there's uh, been healing in Vietnam among the population after the the war that ended so long ago? Yes, um, I didn't really talk specifically about the war. I tried to avoid it. Um, because I felt maybe it might have been a sensitive um, topic, but um, to see how Vietnam has changed. Um, it's very um, industrial, very Western. Um, the city has a, a beautiful downtown area. They have a, a bridge which has a dragon on it that shoots fire out every night. Um, there are many high-rise buildings. Um, you feel like you're in a modern city uh, when you enter into Vietnam. Now, when you say city, are you, are you talking about Da Nang or Ho Chi Minh City? Uh, da Nang. And uh, Da Nang uh, is what, about midway up the, the east coast, I believe, of Vietnam. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, and, uh, okay, so, well, did, uh, certainly they, they had, uh, you know, familiarity with uh, U.S. servicemen. They, 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 you know, it was... Uh, I wouldn't say long lost friends, but but no. uh, <laughs> but uh, there there was a, certainly already a familiarity which had to have broken the ice, right? Certainly, certainly, um, yes. And we got to learn a lot of, from them uh, during our community relations projects. I participated in a language exchange at a university, and uh, the students there uh, talked to me about. Uh, uh, pop star artists of, of American pop star artists that they listen to and uh, TV shows and and uh, different types of food that Americans eat. Um, There's a lot of things that we had in common um, that they were familiar with. And I think it's all due to the internet where uh, uh, an individual can be able to enter in a different world simply by typing in a word in a search engine. Uh, do they have uh, as much access to the internet as we do? Yes, they do. But it's heavily monitored and censored, but they do have access. Well, for example, would they be able to uh, go on to Google and, and do a search? Yes, that is true. Wow. I'm impressed. Uh, how long was it from the time you left Vietnam until the time you uh, wound up at Guam with the rising number of COVID cases on board? 
it was roughly a few weeks, um, two weeks later, close to 18 days. And so you spent uh, Holy Week and beyond there in Guam. Yes, I spent Holy Week alone in the hotel room. Hmm. Uh, how and did that you? That was definitely a, a different experience for me. <laughs> a, a prayerful experience. Um, it, I, I I watched a lot of live stream masses. Um, uh, I even um, I tried a, a virtual celebration on Holy Thursday. I uh, live live streamed with another individual um, while he celebrated mass in isolation, and um, I celebrated mass in isolation in my hotel room. And uh, it was definitely a, a unique experience. But um, I knew I wasn't alone because the presence of the Lord was there with me um, in that hotel room. Was united with others through prayer. Father Mark Bristol, Catholic U.S. Navy chaplain aboard the USS Theodore Roosevelt, which is uh, back in San Diego now after a uh, uh, an experience uh, back in the spring uh, with COVID-19, uh, an experience that led the ship to be sidelined at Guam for two and a half months. Father Bristol, thank you so much for talking to us today, joining us by phone from San Diego. You're welcome. Thank you, Taylor. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, the AMS, was established by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985. Her mission, to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, the civilian workforce employed by the federal government beyond U.S. borders, and the families of these populations, making the AMS the church's only truly global archdiocese. Among pastoral services provided by the AMS under Archbishop Timothy Brolio, celebration of the sacraments, endorsement of chaplains, evangelization and religious education, sacramental record-keeping, a thriving seminarian program, pastoral visitation by the bishops to military installations worldwide, and more. All told, 1.8 million Catholics all over the world depend on the AMS based in Washington, D.C. to meet their spiritual and sacramental needs. The AMS receives no government funding. She depends entirely on private gifts for survival. For more information, visit millarch.org.